Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. It's Ace here to introduce today's podcast episode. Today's episode is a conversation I had with my friend Danai, who's someone moving from London to Hong Kong. And that's what today's episode is all about. She's someone who's been wanting to move to Asia for quite some time, and finally, after many delays, has been able to move to Hong Kong. She spent the past few weeks in quarantine, uh, but at the time of recording this intro, she's just been set loose on Hong Kong and is looking for an apartment and actually um, actually being able to explore a bit of Hong Kong, which is absolutely fantastic. But I want to, I'm fascinated by Danai's decision to move to Hong Kong. I find it really interesting, and I thought it would be great to sort of document that experience and have chats with Danai throughout the process of moving to a new city and moving to Asia and talking about what that experience is like. So today's episode is essentially the first chapter of Danai's story moving to Hong Kong. And we talk about how she came up with the idea to move to Asia in the first place, how she went about the job hunting process so that she can work in Asia and have a job, uh, what it was like preparing to leave London and say goodbye to her friends and family and what it was like trying to make it through quarantine and survive survive that. And for anyone who is possibly thinking of moving abroad, there are, there is a lot of information which would be extremely useful. And just for myself, I was finding that it was an absolute gold mine because I'm thinking of uh, uh, going on exchange to, to Asia this year because I'm actually uh, recording this at the beginning of 2022. It's the 3rd of January, 2022. So I have to get used to saying this year for things which have uh, traditionally been next year. But uh, anyway, that's what today's episode is about. If you want to see what we chatted about in more detail, you can go to the show notes and you'll see uh, timestamps showing when we talked about what and uh, you'll have a more detailed overview of what we discussed in today's episode. Um, I The internet cut out very briefly at one point in the episode, pretty early on in the piece, but don't worry about that. It only happened once. It's not something that's going to be annoying you throughout the entire episode. Um, And yeah, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the episode and uh, let's get straight into it. Hey, Danai, how's it going? Hey, good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I'm excited to chat with you because (laughs) what you've been doing is super interesting to me. You have moved to Hong Kong, or you're in the process of going through quarantine so that you can That's right. move to Hong Kong. That's right. I um, got a new job out here, so I decided to fly out. And basically, because of COVID, it's really strict. So I've kind of managed to get to the point where I've arrived in Hong Kong and just stopped. And now I'm in three weeks of quarantine while I yeah, make sure that I don't have COVID and yeah. wait for me to be able to get out of quarantine and explore. So. Well, Sorry, not now. literally three minutes ago when we were about to start the podcast, someone knocked at the door and was like, hey, we got to do a PCR test <laughs> and you had to run off. So that's... Yeah, I'm so sorry. No. I, um, yeah. <laughs> they have to, it's a really strict process here. If you want to come to Hong Kong at the moment, it's really, really strict. It's one of the hardest places I think in the world to get into. Um, I think it's probably even stricter than mainland China. So you have to do... 21 days of quarantine pretty much if you're from any country um besides a few asian countries like mainland china taiwan that sort of thing um and there's maybe i think one country on an even lower tier which is a one week quarantine period which i think is just new zealand but most countries you have to quarantine for 21 days and they take it really seriously which includes a pcr test every two days while you're in quarantine so that was what interrupted me (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, so before we get into the nitty-gritty of all the things that I want to hear about, and I'm sure a lot of other people will be interested in, um, there will be some people who will listen to this and they might not know um, much about you. So if you would take the opportunity to introduce yourself, what you do on Instagram, what you do with languages, and what's inspired you to make the move to Hong Kong, I think that would be a great way to start. Yeah, sure. So, hi, my name is uh, Danai. I uh, have been learning Chinese for the last few years. I previously was working and living in London for about five years. Um, and that's the period when I started to learn Chinese, obviously. Um, I started my Instagram account, Study with Danai, which was just a study ground to kind of share my Chinese studies and tips and, and kind of monitor my progress for myself. And I met loads of people through that. And slowly I kind of realized I wanted to find a job or come and study in China, um, at least live in Asia for a little bit. Um, and I found this job that I'm currently at, um, in Hong Kong and yeah, decided to fly out to Hong Kong about a week ago to start it. And it's a permanent contract. So I'll be here indefinitely, I think. Um, and yeah, that's, that's me. (laughs) Your Instagram was also a bit of an accountability page for you, wasn't it? (laughs) You had that post a day challenge you were doing. It was just, it seemed like it was as much to sort of force you to study that day to make the post as anything else. Pretty much. I realized when I first started learning Chinese before my study gram that I was basically just going to class once a week. And I thought that that would, have, that would be enough because that's kind of what I did with Spanish before that. Chinese is not like Spanish. It is so much harder. And I realized just going to class once a week, I was progressing. I was barely progressing. I mean, I was just kind of learning very basic grammar and that sort of thing. So I realized I needed to kind of study more, obviously. And um, and this was just kind of a way of monitoring for myself, but also having like public accountability. So for me, it really works if I tell people that I'm going to do something, then I feel the pressure to do it. And it's kind of <laughs> just people knowing that I haven't done it is too much for me. So I'm forced to do it. So then I set up this um, one-year challenge where I would have to post once a day what I, what I had studied once a day um, each day. So yeah, that really worked actually. I did really well that year in terms of Chinese studies. Um, and then since then I didn't continue it into this year and my studies have definitely decreased. Part of that though is because of, um, work and this big move and everything the last few months have just been completely focused on that. So I didn't have that much time, but I think definitely doing the one-year challenge for me, at least it really helped. (laughs) Yeah. And so you, you've landed a job in Hong Kong, which is sort of the inciting reason for the move, but it sounds like it was, you know, it's not like you just randomly get a job in Hong Kong. It sounds like it was a little bit premeditated. Like yeah. you, you, you mentioned that you take your New Year's resolutions really seriously on, I think, your, mo- your latest YouTube video. And yeah. it sounds like you were thinking of moving to either mainland China or Hong Kong for a little while now. Yeah, I um I had basically written New Year's resolutions way back to 2018 saying this was a goal of mine. I wanted to either move to Asia, generally Asia, and then it kind of focused more on China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, that sort of area. And then slowly, slowly I kind of realized through learning Chinese and through, you know, learning about China and different parts of China, that sort of thing, that Hong Kong really excited me. The 
idea of how you know multicultural it is the idea of how it's sort of east meets west here the the kind of vibe of the city that I was getting at people I'd seen on YouTube who lived here that sort of thing um Hong Kong seemed a really exciting place to be and I really wanted to explore it and I've never been to Hong Kong so (laughs) that's kind of where the fascination came from like over time and then um and then yeah after 2018 2019 2020 all of those years I kind of focused more and more on getting getting to Hong Kong or somewhere very close to it um so I started looking for jobs way back in 20 end of 2019 beginning of 2020 um I was planning on moving in 2020 obviously sorry the internet's gone dodgy so so sorry i don't know if the internet cracked up it did but it's all right now okay yeah i've just gone on to 4g okay you so you're saying in 2019 you were it cracked up when you said 20 around when you said 2019 you were planning on moving Oh, I see. Yeah. So um, in 2019, or I started thinking about moving in 2018. And then over the course of 2019, 2020, Mm. I kind of focused more on Hong Kong, um, parts of mainland China. And then, um, and then, yeah, I'd started applying to jobs around end of 2019, beginning of 2020. And then um, obviously COVID hit, so I couldn't actually move and everything got postponed and um i've only kind of just made just managed to make it here because of covid really um so it's been a long time coming and a lot of a lot of delays um and really frustrating uphill process but made it <laughs> yeah i'm i'm also really curious about how how did you go about finding a job like i'm i'm interested in a little bit of the the high level detail because this is something maybe in my future might be on the cards as well, you know, exploring China and neighboring countries and possibly, you know, what you're doing right now is something which is just fascinating to me for the very reason that it's something I might look to do in the future as well. Like, how did you go about the process of going, uh uh-huh, thinking of moving to Asia and then it sort of becomes more concentrated and thinking about moving to Hong Kong to actually then you go and find a job there? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, um, had pretty much decided from the get-go that I didn't want to teach English, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was a big one for me because everybody who gave me advice was like, you could just teach English for a year or so. And I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something that would progress my career and um, be still within the, the the sphere of interest that I had in, in you know the UK anyway. Um, so that was a big hurdle to overcome because it's definitely harder to find a sort of corporate job or career job um if you're a foreigner in China um so I had started looking at what cities I was interested in I basically started by trying to narrow down the search area so I decided I knew I wanted to kind of aim for Shanghai or Hong Kong Taiwan and Singapore um mostly because they were the more exciting bigger cities I'd been to Shanghai really loved it Hong Kong I was just fascinated by Taiwan I'd been to visit for about five days or so and it was beautiful and it's a lot more open and western friendly um and 
Singapore, obviously, I'd chosen just because it's a big international hub. So it was kind of cities where I would be able to practice Mandarin or at least read Chinese, um, but that had big uh, international companies there as well. Um, and I started by subscribing to <laughs> every mailing list for jobs I could find. So there was jobs on LinkedIn. I'd put a search in and then you can on LinkedIn, for example, you can search what kind of career um, uh, area you want to aim for and which city you want to aim for and just get, you know, email alerts. I did that for something called Tulum Media, which uh, posts job, uh, yeah, job adverts that are all around Asia, just various mailing lists, various Facebook groups, that sort of thing, just keeping an eye on what was available, what was out there, um, getting an idea of what companies were there, um, and then just going to the company's websites and scrolling through their job openings, that sort of thing. Um, so I actually found my current job just on the website of the company that I applied for. I just kind of kept an eye over time what job vacancies they were advertising. And I went for a few, um, speaking to people as well. Like I had a couple of friends in Singapore who would put me in touch with various people who worked in different companies. And then they would say, oh, you know, if something comes up, we'll let you know, that sort of thing. Obviously, I didn't end up going for anything in Singapore, but I think that's a really useful way of doing it. Um, and it, over time, it became really apparent that some areas were easier to get into as a foreigner and some weren't. So even though Hong Kong is so restricted in terms of COVID, it's actually one of the easiest places to find a job as a foreigner versus Shanghai, mainland China, Taiwan. Those are all really hard to find jobs, non-English, non-teaching uh, jobs as a foreigner, just because there's not the same industry and international business market that there is in Hong Kong and Singapore. So yeah, that's kind of why I ended up focusing job-wise mostly on Singapore and Hong Kong. But I think in terms of lifestyle, I would have loved to have gone to Taiwan perhaps or Shanghai as well. But yeah, I'm really happy I'm in Hong Kong though. Hong Kong was the number one for all boxes. So mm. yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, I've i always thought that going to a foreign country to teach English, it, it's awesome. You You do, I think that does create a lot of opportunity for you because you get to be in the country and you found mm. a job so you can earn an income and you can sort of set yourself up there. But it is a little bit, it seems to be a little bit of a trap because then you might spend your day speaking English and, right. and you get in this sort of, I don't know, expat bubble where maybe your colleagues are also doing the same thing. So I think it's really interesting that you decided to avoid that and go for something else. What is your current job? What, what, so um, I won't say what company it's for, but it's yeah. in digital media. So working on a website, um, building their social media, that sort of thing, um, which is really interesting to me. Um, and they are a sort of, they're an international company, but China based. So they have a very split workforce. So there's a lot of Westerners who work for them. The English, English is the speaking, uh, sorry, the working language there, but I'd say about 60% of their employers from what, employees from what I can gather at the moment are Hong Konger or Chinese. So yeah, um, I think it's a really good mix. Seems like a really great working environment from what I can tell from my first week. So yeah. And I was also actually to a point that I would note was I was very keen on working for a bigger slash more international company just because I heard, uh, that the working culture in China is very different to the working culture in the West, at least maybe in Europe and Australia. I don't know about America, but um, I was kind of pre-warned that there's a lot of 996 working environments, which I don't know if um, everybody knows, but it's 
a big cultural working, um, a big working culture in China where people work 9am to 9pm, six days a week. There's a lot of that in a lot of local companies. And uh, obviously I wasn't <laughs> keen for that. So um, yeah, I was very keen to work for something that was international with just a more healthy work-life balance. Um, yeah, those were kind of the considerations I was taking into account. So. Yeah. I've got a friend I do a language exchange with and over the time that I've been doing the language exchange with her, she's had a number of different jobs, but she, and I, I have a, I have a part-time job, but I'll, I'll, we'll be talking about our different jobs and here I am, I work my eight hour day and it's like, it's done. And she's like expected to work overtime, not get paid for it. And I'm just there like, oh my God, that's just crazy to me. But that's the thing. It's a different, it's not just a different work culture. It's a different society in the sense that Mm. you've got different it's not just different culture, but you've probably got different legislation involved in these things and, and, and different extents to which legislation is followed. Like in, in Australia, we've got, you know, awards, which means depending on your category of work, there's a minimum wage or certain things an employer can and can't do. I don't know, just from what my friend was saying, it seems a bit more like the wild west, you know, it's sort of, Mm. (laughs) yeah. So I I haven't heard that too. I know I'm not entirely, I've, obviously never worked for a a Chinese company before. So I don't actually know the ins and outs of it, but it definitely, I definitely heard a lot of stories about people who were choosing uh, Hong Kong is like local people who were choosing to leave their jobs with local businesses and and go to, um, to Western ones purely because of that. Um, Because I think especially younger generations are kind of a bit fed up with, with being expected to work. Um, such long hours and and it is you know it is a big toll on your just lifestyle and especially coming to Hong Kong for the first time I didn't want to be stuck in an office all the time I wanted to be able to experience Hong Kong as well which when I was doing my interview for this job was one of the things that sold me because the the my employer actually said um oh we're aware that people want to enjoy Hong Kong while they're out there and they were talking to me, me through the hours and stuff so it sounded very uh accepting of or at least recognized how what big of what big of a percentage their employees were western and what they expected and you know how people wanted to be able to balance their lifestyle in hong kong along with their work so it's yeah i'm really happy with where i'm at did you have any job posts where your application progressed progressed beyond just sending an application to maybe they were doing an interview or something it was progressing (laughs) where you got a an inkling that it wasn't going to be like this and you decided that you weren't going to go for it and you were going to keep looking for something else. Um, let me think. So I sent a lot. <laughs> I think there were, yeah, actually for Singapore, there was one that was like that. Um, not in terms of so much the working hours. Cause we didn't get to talking to about the hours at that point, but in Singapore, there was a company that I applied for, where it became apparent over the course of the interview that there was a massive divide within the company, even though it was a big company, it was a Singaporean one. And there was a big divide between the Western part of the company and the Singaporean part of the company. And there wasn't a lot of communication between the two of them. And a lot of the Westerners felt sort of in a bubble within that company. And they were kind of excluded from a lot of the bigger executive decisions and a lot of their work would then just be filtered through the Singaporean side. So I could kind of get in a sense that, you know, any work that I would do, I would then uh, 
it would then be up to the hands of whoever was in some other department that I didn't really speak to. And then I felt like there wasn't a lot of control from the, from the, from the Western half of the company in terms of what would, what the final outcome of the, of the job would be, what the final product would be. So I felt that that was, I don't know, it sounded like a bit of an odd environment for me to work in. I'd want it to be, I wanted to work in an environment where, yeah, there was a mix of Westerners and, and locals, but everybody worked together, obviously. And Sorry, my sister's just leaving. Right. That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was one of the ones that I was a bit kind of cautious about. And I, I didn't really take that any further. We we yeah. did a like sort of casual interview and stuff, but then I didn't really apply to anything more in that company because I didn't feel like it was a a good fit for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds a bit cliched, but at the end of the day, that's that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I know it sounds really cliche, but I was just a bit, hmm. yeah. Well, and also by that stage, I was kind of aiming for Hong Kong as the, as the number one yeah. place. And it was early days as well. So I was like, there is still, I mean, I've only just started to look. There are other options out there. Plenty sure, of fish so. in the sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Yeah, as well, you know, if, if if it's an environment where you're siloed off from the the locals and it's it's exactly sort of what we were just mentioning about teaching English if you end up in this bubble it's not, right I mean some people that might be for them but I, I you know I've followed your content for a couple of years now I don't think that would correspond to you and what you would be hoping for no and already with a lot of the uh staff that I've met who are Hong Kong within my company um they've obviously I've not met anyone face to face but a lot of them have messaged me to just say hi and welcome and you know check in on how my quarantine is going that sort of thing and I've already like messaged several of the Hong Kongers and being like when I start Cantonese lessons you have to give me um Cantonese basic phrases and say hi to me in Cantonese so I can practice so I definitely wanted that kind of line of communication with with you know local um with the locals and and you know being able to just mix and be a bit more part of Hong Kong culture I was really really afraid of falling into some sort of western bubble because that's so easy to do here especially you know if you don't speak the the language if I don't speak Cantonese which I don't so yeah yeah and I wanted to ask you more about this as well and this is more in terms of the side of um how, the preparation which you had to go through to get to this point not of once you've progressed past the job application things and you know that you okay now I'm going to move I mean, you had so many things which you had to get prepared. It seems like you were just so busy getting prepared. Maybe the first thing I'd like to ask you about, because it's it's to do with the language learning side of things, is at what at what point when you realized that, okay, it's going to be Hong Kong where I'm going, did you go, oh, well, I've been studying Mandarin for the past couple of years. I've been studying simplified characters like what was going through your head when you were realizing you're going to have to transition to Cantonese and learn traditional characters? And how did you go about that transition? I mean, yeah, there was a point where I was like, oh, three years of just total effort <laughs> have gone to waste, just crumbled. <laughs> but um, no, I have been wanting to learn Cantonese for a really long time. It was partly from, you know, the growing interest in Hong Kong that I had watching, you know, uh Hong Kong YouTubers that sort of thing I just thought it was such a pretty language it was so interesting to me how different it was to Mandarin um always wanted to learn traditional characters as well because traditional characters are I mean basically 
just mainland China speaks and uses uh, simplified characters. If you want to go anywhere else, you know, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, other parts of uh, basically the world. So if you, even if you go to like Chinatown in London, it's all traditional characters. So um, it felt a bit like I could only read half of what Chinese content there was out there. And a lot of the the material is actually better from Taiwan or um, or Hong Kong sort of movies and that sort of thing. So I was always keen to learn traditional characters. So, yeah, when it got to the point where I actually had a confirmation that I was going to Hong Kong, I thought, right, okay, <laughs> I should probably start at least being able to read the signs and being able to read where I'm going, that sort of thing. So I started learning traditional characters on my Anki, but that was about all the preparation that I did do um, in terms of the language, um, just because I didn't have time to learn Cantonese from that point on. I was just completely focused on sorting out my move and getting there and getting documentation and that sort of thing um so I put I pushed all the language learning down the line to when I when I was in Hong Kong so in January I've decided I'm going to start learning Cantonese um I'm going to sign up to a Cantonese course and do it either one or two times a week in the evenings after work um but for the preparation work I basically just started learning traditional characters on my Anki um so just reviewing all the characters that I already knew but in traditional which I've not obviously completed there are so many (laughs) um but I will say I think that was useful because at least learning to read traditional from as a simplified reader is a lot easier than trying to just learn traditional from the get-go um there's a lot of things that are consistent throughout so radicals for example if you learn what the radical is in traditional Chinese it will be the same for every character. So it's not as if you're trying to learn a whole character from scratch all over again. There's a lot of consistency and a lot of logic as well in traditional characters that sometimes is lost and simplified. So it's not, they look a bit scary as a, if you have learned simplified, but it's really not that difficult um, to learn traditional. Um, but Cantonese is going to be a whole other ball, ball game, I think. The language is so much harder than Mandarin. It's just so there's a written language and a spoken language and it's really difficult. So (laughs) I think that's going to be a lot harder. Um, But yeah, my initial reaction when I realized I was going to have to start learning (laughs) Cantonese and it wasn't going to be the sort of Mandarin haven that I expected. I was a bit like, Oh God, (laughs) feels like I'm a beginner all over again. Yeah. And what, what's going to happen to your Mandarin given you're going to have to now spend so much Mm. time focusing on Cantonese? Well, I mean, I'm still going to continue uh, my Chinese classes with my Chinese teacher, Miss Lin, I did them remotely anyway. She lives in France. So um, I'm going to keep going with that um, once a week. And um, I've no intention of kind of stopping Mandarin and focusing only on Cantonese. Um, Mandarin is still my priority. Um, there's also been recently a much bigger push within Hong Kong to promote Mandarin, obviously, because of, you know, <laughs> politics. So, <laughs> yep. I noticed when I was coming out of the airport um, and on my way to the hotel, there are a lot of signs that are in all three languages. So Cantonese or traditional um, Mandarin and English. Um, a lot of the announcements are in Cantonese, Mandarin, English. So I think at least in terms of my day-to-day listening practice, there'll be a lot of Mandarin still within that. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely the, the, Cantonese is by far what's spoken the most here. I mean, there are a lot of people who won't speak Mandarin or can't speak Mandarin. 
Um, so trying to get by just with Mandarin or just with English is not really realistic um, unless you live in a sort of expat bubble where you don't really branch out from that. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is not, yeah, if you're, which is uh, not my goal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you're going to go to the other side of the world to silo yourself in an expat right. bubble, like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, a, I I, it's a stylistic choice. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I definitely understand why some people stay within the expat bubble. Cause when I first arrived, especially just being locked in a hotel room with my thoughts and not being able to go out and explore and, you know, see Hong Kong, there's a lot of anxiety that builds up around that and a lot of questions and unknowns and stuff so I definitely felt at one point oh I was out of my depth and because I'm coming here alone and I don't really know anyone in Hong Kong I could I definitely had like a an an immediate reaction of trying to like cling to what was familiar and and um I guess for a lot of people who come here that would be foreigners or people who speak the same language as them that sort of thing so I can understand why people kind of uh, yeah, try to cling to what they are, what they what they're familiar and comfortable with, and then slowly branch out. Which I'm sure I'm going to have to do as well, just because I don't speak Cantonese. I'm going to have to rely on English and people who speak English and that kind of uh, those kind of connections until I kind of find my feet a bit. But I think that's fine to do in the beginning, um, as long as my ultimate goal and as long as I keep working towards kind of integrating a bit better in the community and and you know, making those, those connections with people who aren't just <laughs> expats. Yeah. And Cantonese is only like, the, obviously the language is such a big thing, but it's not the only thing. You've got a different culture, you've got a different yeah. work culture, all those things. But like, given you didn't have the opportunity to prepare much in term, linguistically to do mm-hmm. your Cantonese, what were you busy doing? Like, I, I also want to <laughs> like. I know there's a lot to get that you would have been busy doing, but I really want to hear about that because I, I, I've even, I've applied to go to mainland China semester two next year on exchange. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be able to go just because of the whole coronavirus thing and getting a visa, but I would just love to hear about, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the nitty gritty of like, what was it like getting a visa? How did coronavirus add complexity to the, to the problem? I even, don't know i don't know where i came across this but you even talking about things like how you knew your bank card was going to expire a year into being in in hong kong so you renewed it in advance like how did you think of all these things and how did you systematically manage it how did you have a to-do list all these things it was a lot honestly like in hindsight it was a lot (laughs) um i'll start off by saying i was i applied for this job like a year ago and i was supposed to start in September but even my original September start date was months and months after when I thought I was going to have been able to get here for this job and even that first initial application date you know last December and the first interviews I did back then that was already like a year or something after when I first started looking for jobs in Hong Kong so I would say COVID has like it's definitely massively impacted my timeline. I mean, it's it's already like two years down the line since I started really aiming to move and it's been a really long process. Um, so, but yeah, just going back to when I first started, I applied for this job through the website. Obviously, when I found the job advert, I applied in December and then I did my first interview again in December. Um, I did a, a test for my job so they could kind of assess my skill set. And then I didn't hear anything back for a really long time, for like two months or something. And I just messaged them saying, hey, you know, um, 
I was just wondering where you were at with the process, kind of assuming that I hadn't got it by that stage. I was like, if I've not heard back, I've not got it. Um, and they messaged back to say thanks for, you know, staying in touch, but our, uh, we've been massively impacted by COVID. So um, the whole process of, you know, hiring anyone has been delayed. We'll let you know uh, soon. And then in April, <laughs> I got another message from them saying, are you still interested? And at that point, the UK had gone back into um, uh, another lockdown for <laughs> several months. So my situation had not changed. And I was like, Honestly, I've just been on pause for the last few months. So yeah, I'm still interested. Um, and then they did another interview with me then um, and basically offered me the job. And in June, I started the application process for my visa and getting all my documentation. And that was <laughs> so hard. Basically, I started speaking to their um, HR advisor and they put me in touch with a visa consultant who they had, you know, a contract with. And this visa consultant just essentially did the application on my behalf, but told me, gave me a massive list of documents that I would need to provide to her, which included uh, the contract, obviously, with my new company. It included all of my identification documents, so my passport, um, my my verification letters for every job that I had put on my CV, my CV itself. I had to provide all of the uh, certificates for any education that I had done ever. Like even going back to, you know, high school, I was like, is this really relevant? Um so there was a lot of documents that I had to just dig out of like, you know, years and going back years and years and years, stuff from like 2011, even I was just like, yeah, and scanning them all, sending them over. Um, there was, what else did I have to send over? Uh, I think that was the initial batch of documents that I needed to send over. There was about, I mean, I had a uh, folder saved to my to my computer and I think there was like 40 documents or something like that I was just constantly emailing them um, and it wasn't even that these documents were easy to find a lot of the verification letters from my previous jobs had to be on headed letters stamped signed with the right wording and the right you know it had to have my name my passport number so I had to email people that I hadn't spoken to for years being like hi I know this is out of the blue but can you please write me a verification letter phrase this way about to confirm that I worked for you? Um, so, and then there was one job where the company had shut down back in 2012 that I just didn't have any way of getting in touch with them anymore or getting that verification letter. And in that case, I just spoke to the HR advisor who wrote me an explanation letter that I then had to sign. And she had to send that off as well to the immigration department. So yeah, it was a lot of documents um then once she had all of that I thought it was you know done and I could just kind of go on my holiday with my family in the summer and enjoy it and wait for my visa which they had told me was going to be a four to six week wait <laughs> and uh then halfway through my holiday I got a phone call and she said well we need extra documents and so I was like right okay and those extra documents were just uh explanation letters of what I did in my jobs like more specifically even though I put that in my cv um that sort of thing they just wanted like another letter confirming exactly what I did in my job. And then the one to that, uh, the one previously to that, um, and again, stamped or signed all that sort of thing, which was fun. Um, and then it just became a massive long waiting game. So I didn't hear anything back all of September, October, November. <laughs> 
Um, and then I was kind of emailing them being like, you know, what's happening? Why is it so delayed? At that point, I was kind of freaking out as well, because I thought, oh, you know, if it's been this long, are they going to reject my visa application? I know it's, you know, really difficult to get in right now, that sort of thing. Um, but eventually it came through. Um, and they then and then I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to be able to go to Hong Kong in you know a week or two. And then and then the quarantine hotel situation happened where basically in Hong Kong, I don't know if this is like another question that you want to ask, but the quarantine situation is really, really tough here. There's a limited amount of quarantine hotels that are government approved. They're all fully booked for months in advance. Um, really hard to get a room. And my company emailed me and they were like, you know, honestly, the only available date is the 10th of December. And if it's not that, then it's like way into 2022. So I thought, right, okay, you know, it's going to involve me quarantining over Christmas, but I'll just take it. Um, so that's why it got, you know, pushed back even further. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wonder how much of this is exacerbated by COVID. And I wonder how much of it is just general process. You got to wonder what, what are they trying to filter out? What are they protecting against? Like, I have no idea. It was, it was honestly such an uphill battle. Um, but from my perspective, it was painful in terms of how much unknown there was. Like what I was wondering the whole time, why is it being delayed? Is there a problem? And it was painful in terms of the, yeah, the timeline. But because I had this visa agency doing it all for me, um, it really wasn't that I just had to provide documents that she requested. And there was a lot of documents, but it wasn't impossible. But if you had to do it on your own, I mean... It would be it would be rough. <laughs> I don't know what the aim is. Uh, it's very strict, and I feel like it's getting stricter now. I think it used to be easier to get into Hong Kong, um, and definitely COVID has caused lots of delays. So I think part of the delays were caused by people, you know, understaffing maybe or people going on leave or that sort of thing. But it's I don't know what I think in general getting a visa for Hong Kong, a work visa at least, is not an easy task. <laughs> Do you have do you have any advice, like maybe not specifically about the application process, given you had an agent doing it on yeah. your behalf, but like just dealing with the stress of it? Like if I in six <laughs> months am going to be going through this, oh my goodness. Or like other yeah. people who are going to go through that sort of process, what would you say? Um, I would say, honestly, be organized. <laughs> you have to just be very on it and very, I mean, I was constantly reviewing what I needed, being in touch with people, verifying what I needed to prepare. Um, I had like, you know, folders and subfolders organized. Um, I would say start very early because the time will be used up. So uh, for me, I started in June and I thought that was plenty of time and I was going to be coasting by the end of it. And even, you know, even though my, my, uh, my trip was delayed until December, I used up all of that time and I was still doing things during that time so for example even um documents aside like you mentioned earlier I had to sort out my bank my bank card there was like medical things that I wanted to sort out there were uh there was things like my apartment how I wanted to prepare for leaving it for a really long period of time you have to think about what you're leaving behind and making sure that everything is kind of in order for that so uh I just because I had quite a few months, I think I just kind of became aware of these problems. I remember like paying for my card. I think what reminded me about the bank card was I was thinking about how I was going to have to open a bank card in Hong Kong. And I was looking at my own personal bank card and I was like, 
this is going to have to somehow be sent to me and I don't want it to kind of make the journey across the across yeah. the globe in the post um hopefully yeah, to end up in my apartment so yeah I went and renewed my card early um there were things like bills and um and oh one of the things that I definitely realized that I had to do was make sure that no mail was going to arrive in my apartment while I was away that I would miss so I spent this took I mean I think like three months or something of just kind of monitoring what was coming into my post and then messaging people back being like hey I'm moving can you make this uh digital or can you from now on cut all my correspondence with you so it was things you know talking with my building managers um in London or even just subscription services that sort of thing just making sure that everything would be either digital or cancelled um then there were things like you know making sure that the oh what else did I do that was <laughs> just odd. um yeah just making sure that things were cleared out what I was going to do in my apartment so I, I rented it to my friend for example that sort of thing so it took a lot of sorting out just like admin like life admin stuff um and I think it would help to have lists and then build on those those lists so for me it was I had an initial list that said you know cancel mail orders or cancel or you know um, cancel subscriptions. And then ultimately that list became cancel this subscription. This subscription ends on this day. Like, no, 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 no. So yeah, you do have to be very organized. Um, and just make sure that you're reviewing everything that you're doing the whole time. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's that Greek mythical beast of many heads that you chop off a head and oh. <laughs> more grow back? What, what's that called? Medusa. Yeah. Um, the, oh, that, no, not Medusa. Sorry. Uh, Oh, what is it? I'm uh, forgetting the name as well. Yeah. I, I wanted to say that as well, but I didn't, I can't remember the name, but the, I know I'm blanking now. You, you made that joke that your to-do list, the more you chop, the more you chopped off, the more it grew limbs and there was just more <laughs> things. Yeah, there was a good, um, I followed a few YouTubers who gave me really good advice, actually people who were moving themselves and through them, I kind of would be reminded of things that I would have to do. Um, so for example, there was a YouTuber who was moving from Korea to America and she was saying, Oh, you know, I want to, uh, do all these like medical, just checkups and stuff with in Korea before I moved to America because, um, she'd been there so long, all her documents and stuff were there. Um, and I was like, Oh yeah, like I won't have a doctor in Hong Kong for a, quite a while. So I should probably just, you know, get my vaccine, my COVID like booster jab done before I go and um, do general blood checkups and things like that uh, before I go. So um, I would say, you know, maybe if, if you're not sure, just follow people who are doing the same thing and, and try and get ideas um, from them, what you would kind of get an idea of what you would have to do. Um, and then there was another thing that I did that was really helpful, which was like a brain dump, which I again got from some other YouTuber, which is basically just, there are times when I would feel overwhelmed because I was like, oh my God, there is so much to do. And um, at that point, I would just write a whole list on my phone, like not categorized, not organized or anything, but it would just be of all the things that I was thinking about and all the things that I knew I had to do. And it could be anything from like, see this person on this date to cancel my card to, I don't know, do anything. And that list became absolutely massive, but just having it written down was was really helpful um so I could just tick stuff off and yeah <laughs> I would say doing like just a brain dump rather than trying to be like the to-do list for Wednesday could be this no mm. no no I think having one messy list of everything that you would have to do was really helpful because then you could just go back to that and pick stuff out from it um 
yeah but yeah. it's a lot like yeah it's not whatever i tell you it's not going to be easy or yeah. help yeah. streamline the process it's going to be difficult either way who off the top of your head who are some of the youtube channels you followed which were helpful um so there was um the brain dump idea i got from ali abdal who is not someone who's moving or anything he just does general um um like organizational study tips kind of uh life hacks that sort of thing those kind of videos um and then the other youtuber that i found really helpful was the suitcase designer um she uh generally does like homemaker business stuff but she was did a big series of decluttering and what she how she was making her decisions and yeah what she was organizing and uh, she did a one video in particular where she was just walking around Korea being like, these are all the things that I'm thinking about doing. And then there was so- obviously some stuff that didn't apply to me, like things that she needed to prepare for because she was moving her cat along with her to America. Obviously, <laughs> I don't have a cat. So I was like, could ignore all that. But then there was other stuff that I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. So write that down. Um, yeah. So I'd well, say those two were my biggest, my biggest um, ones. And then there was also <laughs> this wasn't for um, inspiration, but it was. Um, Ashley from Best Dress, she did a big move across from America, um, from California to New York. And I watched her moving vlog and that was just helpful as well to kind of get an idea of what stuff I needed to get rid of, what stuff, I, like just the process basically, because it was an equally big move that um, was helpful for me to just kind of follow along and get, get an idea of the pace and the timeline of what she was working to. So yeah, those three, I think were my main ones. Yeah. I think in the future you'll be my my point of reference. <laughs> I'll go back, listen to this podcast, watch your watch your vlog, and be like, ah, yes. <laughs> I think I'll have to try and be a, more organized than on my vlogs. I try and like put a proper list up or something. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you think there might be niche content or whatever, but there's some people out there who just that that's like the most valuable piece of information on the earth. Right. Just having someone else's list of all the things I had to deal with. Like, yeah, there was a comment I got on my moving vlog um, of this Australian woman who was moving from, I think, the UK back to Australia. And she was saying, oh, I've been trying to find someone who's moving. Um, and I'm really happy that I found your vlog. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, it's, I'm not the only one who did that. So, mm. yeah, it was it was a nice comment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also looked up what the, the it's the Hydra. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I feel just... bad. I feel like I'm a bad breed for forgetting that. <laughs> hey, it happens. You know, there are... sometimes I, you forget, ran... like, let alone mythical beasts, you forget random everyday words and you're like, what? You have right, to, like, talk right. around it. I saw a, a um, tweet from Lindy Buetes about um, forgetting, uh... oh, no. Uh, dishwashing <laughs> detergent dishwashing detergent she was like the liquid that you use to cl- wash dishes you know you like it happens i forget that one all the time <laughs> well i almost did then <laughs> yeah no you're right um i mean especially when you like get a word that's stuck in your head and you know that that's not the right word but that's the only word that you can think of at that point yeah for example when we were trying to find the word for uh hydra i was like I, all medusa. i could think about was medusa i was like it's not yeah. that yeah exactly you get stuck <laughs> but, um, yeah the next thing I wanted to ask you about um, is still in the realm of preparation, but it's a totally different angle on it, which is saying goodbye to your friends, saying goodbye to your family, and saying goodbye to the city in which you live. 
Like, mm. what was that process like for you? What, what was it like emotionally? Like, what was it like <laughs> oh. sort of actually organizing to see all of your friends while you're also working and organizing to move all of these things? Yeah, no, that was definitely the hardest part. Um, it was very difficult. I think it was, again, exacerba- exacerbated by COVID because I was moving in a period of time when I was quite conscious that I was going to go to Hong Kong and that was going to be it. Like, I didn't know when I would be able to travel back to Europe to see people and nobody could come and visit me right now. So it felt like the stakes were a lot higher. Um, but I, again, I, I thought that I was leaving in September. <laughs> that was my original start date. So in August, I had this big, uh, period of time the whole month basically when I was making sure that I was seeing all of my friends and saying goodbye and doing things like my work leaving drinks and various goodbyes to various groups and people and everything and then I had uh, my holiday in Greece and my family that I was like that's going to be my big family time before I go and it's all going to work out perfectly and the timeline adds up and everything and I <laughs> I went through so many emotions then because I was also trying to prepare you know documents and 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 you know my apartment and everything else I was at the same time as saying goodbye to everyone so it was a lot on my plate but I was yeah just kind of making sure that I was seeing and making time for everybody and um it was a lot of socializing in a very short space of time I mean I think I saw people every single day for like two solid weeks and it was very emotionally taxing honestly because you kind of start saying goodbye and then you do it again and again and again and again for like many people and it was just a lot of like I mean I cried so many times yeah (laughs) I was just like yeah a bit of a mess (laughs) I can imagine Um, but then the worst part was when I came back from my holiday in August and I was like still now my visa (laughs) and at that point I was just in limbo and stuck in London for another like three months and I was like well I'm still seeing all my friends obviously I'm still hanging out so all those goodbyes amounted to like not very much (laughs) and um and then you do the leaving work drinks and then next week you're back like surprise (laughs) I know there were leaving drinks that I went to in like September or October for other people who were leaving before me who I thought I wasn't going to see again and I would show up to them and be like okay I'll see you off and people would just be like to me like why are you here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that was super weird <laughs> um but Sounds then, super awkward again, <laughs> like so awkward <laughs> And it kind of got a bit tiring as well, just answering the same question. I was like, yeah, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you just become like immune to that. Well, not immune, but just like apathetic about the whole thing. Just like, yeah, you have to say the same thing over and over. It's like, I know I'm still stuck. (laughs) (laughs) People get asking me, they're like, how do you feel? Are you excited or sad? And I was like, honestly, I'm just dead inside at this point. (laughs) I feel nothing. (laughs) the void Um, literally I just trying to sustain that level of emotion for like that long is just not doable so by the end you just kind of become immune you're just I I fell into just the whole I I just felt like I wasn't going at that point I was like I'm just going to continue my life in London as normal um but then yeah when I had my plane ticket bought and I was definitely definitely going then that whole emotional roller coaster kicked off again um, because at that point I planned to not do any work, uh, any leaving drinks or anything. I was like, no, I've done those. I'm just going to prepare as best I can, see people 
as I normally would, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of it this time. But knowing that that was going to be the last time I was going to see people for a while, like, oh, it was emotionally draining. <laughs> I was just, again, like just a flood of tears the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so that was, that was a bit rough. Um, it was a weird few months. <laughs> Yeah. You also be in a heightened physiological state. Like that's mm. in theory, that's what stress is sort of stress. Stress is not necessarily meant to be a bad thing in the sense it's meant to prepare you to deal with the, the environment, the environment in which you find yourself. Um, but you know, it might be better if it's kind of like, ah, you you say goodbye and then you hop on the plane and you're gone and you had that period of like, planned stress or planned or sort of heightened emotional state when you're saying goodbyes but if it's extended over months where it's just this constant you can't relax into oh i'm still here i'll just chill out and you can't get, transition into oh now it's finally happening i every even if something goes wrong it's like out of my control now but the prep's done you just yeah. like limbo is the right word isn't it yeah it felt just yeah it's such a weird yeah limbo kind of not I don't know. It just felt there was so much out of my control that I was like, I'm just going to have to take it on the chain and, and make the mo- make the best of it. And there were a lot of times where I was like, I just had to kind of learn to let go of things and be like, look, I can't change this situation. I can't make the visa come faster. I can't, you know, change the fact that my hotel can only be booked for December. I can't change the fact that I have to quarantine over Christmas. Like there are just things that are so far out of my control. I was like, it sucks, but I just have to let that go and, and kind of, you know, <laughs> get on with things. Um, so yeah, I would say that that was, that was a big learning process. Um, but then when it came to saying goodbye to people and stuff, that was things that I could control and that I could, you know, decide when I was going to see people, obviously decide how I was going to say bye and everything. And towards the end, I was really trying to just be like, okay, I'll see you later. Like not make a big deal of it, <laughs> not make it a big goodbye thing. But then when I, for example, if I went to my friend's house and I would just kind of say like, okay, see you later kind of thing. And then it would just kind of hit me that that was the last time and we'd both be aware of it. And then I would just start crying. <laughs> so, <laughs> Trying to play it, was, it down. <laughs> and then yeah, I was like, blood gates. <laughs> I know I'd have just moments of being like, didn't want to cry this time. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, it was a, yeah, very much a, an emotional roller coaster. but well, what can spe- you do? Yeah. Speaking of being stuck in limbo, like <laughs> that whole that you went through that whole process now you're in hong kong but you're in oh a hotel God. for three weeks in quarantine that yeah. seems like real purgatory you know what i mean <laughs> it's like out it's... of what is it out of the pot into the frying pan kind of vibe completely it just feels like it feels like i would i if as if you were on a big diving platform like a really high one and i and you dive off but you don't hit the water. You just kind of like get stuck in the falling part. Like that's what it feels like. I was like, right. Okay. <laughs> I got this far. Now it's just kind of stopped. And like, um, and for, a while, I was trying to make the, like, I was trying to see the positive of it. I was like, oh, at least I get to like fix my jet lag. At least I get time to search for an apartment, that sort of thing. But really it's kind of hindered things a lot more than I realized um it is easy to just kind of get stuck into life when you move country um so for me it's been really frustrating because I got to Hong Kong I did not fix my jet lag I found that actually being in a hotel room 24 7 not being able to leave and stuff was 
worse for my sleep pattern. I just wasn't bringing the energy. I, uh, all my friends and family would wake up like in the evening time for me. So I would just stay up a lot longer speaking to them than if I had been out and about in the day speaking to other people, that sort of thing. Um, in terms of finding an apartment, it's made it harder because I can't go and explore areas. I can't see places in person. So I'm just doing everything over, you know, WhatsApp calls um, and like video chats uh, in terms of, of just, you know, getting used to my job. I've not been able to meet people face to face. I can just like obviously Zoom call them. But in terms of training, in terms of getting to grips with the job itself, it's just been really, really difficult. So, yeah, it is. It is purgatory is the right word, honestly. Like it is very frustrating you won't let um, me live you won't let me die <laughs> right I'm like, yeah. if, it, if i'm gonna crash and burn let me just get on with it yeah like, yeah um so that's been annoying but yeah i mean i can't complain about the hotel room itself i got really lucky um i'm not bored which is what i was afraid of i've got like loads to do um i can entertain myself no problem but it's frustrating in terms of my productivity um that yeah, I would say that's the hardest part. <laughs> and you've been getting Deliveroo to deal with the crappy hotel quarantine food. That's... It's been like my, that and like Food Panda, they'd be like my absolute lifesavers. Yeah. I didn't realize how much food affects your uh, your mood. Um, but after a few days of eating quarantine food, which at my hotel at least is the same meal for every meal three times a day, um, they try and vary it in terms of you know they'll say they gave me a, a menu actually um which was just a big document like a big excel spreadsheet of all my meals <laughs> meal one and I can check meal it. one meal one, meal one. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much so I could check in advance what they were going to be and I was like this is just what I ate yesterday but they're basically always always rice chicken beef and like very crap vegetables um, and they don't give you fruit and the vegetables are basically like a thimble full of like corn. <laughs> so it is pretty tragic. Um, <laughs> and it kind of got to where I was like, I don't want chicken anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I started ordering Deliveroo, um, and been doing better since then, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Have you, has it been up and down a lot in terms of how you're feeling about it? Like some days it's, ah, some days it's all right. Um, the first few days, honestly, I was on a high. I was like, I'm in Hong Kong. Mm. I made it. I'm doing good. Like kicking ass. (laughs) It's all going to be fine. Um, and then it kind of hit me. Uh, I'd say like maybe, oh, I think I actually posted about it on Instagram. It was day six. Um, it hit me and I felt so stupid because it was only day six and I had like 21 days to get there. I was like, <laughs> Come on. It's not even that far into it. But, um, I think that's the hardest day. Cause I think I, at that point I was kind of still trying to cling to some sort of routine or at least some sort of sense of a regular lifestyle. Um, but it, it just, in terms of the contact that I was having with people, what I could get done in a day, I, had, I don't think I'd accepted the fact that I was, stuck in a room I think I was still trying to you know experience Hong Kong in any way I could or um you know maintain contact with the outside world that sort of thing in as similar to pre um pre-quarantine as I was in quarantine if that makes sense I was just trying to I was just trying to keep things as normal as possible but then I think day six I realized like I am so cut off from things um I felt really alone I felt really overwhelmed I think I started stressing about where I was going to live in Hong Kong and I realized how 
you know, how I couldn't go out and see places, how much guesswork there was involved in trying to find my apartment. Um, I was stressed about how high prices are here for apartments and how insane the housing market is. Um, and I was stressed about finding the right roommates, that sort of thing. So it was just a lot of like unknowns that kind of hit me at the same time. And I just felt a bit like overwhelmed and, <laughs> and I freaked out. And then that day, um, there are a couple of people who I used to work with in London. They came and dropped off a care package for me in Hong Kong uh, in my quarantine hotel room because they now work here as well. And that just set me off again. I was just crying. I was like, this, like, this is really sweet. And I wasn't, I wasn't sad. I was just stressed and overwhelmed. Yeah. But um, yeah, once I got through that day, since then, I felt, you know, a lot better. I felt a lot more like acceptance of my situation. I was just like, right. Okay. Like it is what it is. Um, I will just have to, uh <laughs> make the most of it and try and work work around problems as best I can so that's kind of af- after that I started in terms of the apartments I started you know doing video chats instead of trying to just guess from um you know what I could see online that sort of thing yeah. so it's been a bit easier since then but it's not easy by any means um it is still like still very conscious of the fact that I have like no support structure here in Hong Kong mm. so yeah I think that's it's if I if I focus on it too hard, it freaks me out a bit. But generally, I'm a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Even your room, though, it's like you're talking about at the beginning, still wanting to hold on to the idea of being on Hong Kong, only to find out you're isolated, mm. really, from the world outside. But even your room is set up that way. You have the you have the window. Like I've seen your photos on Instagram. You have a window which lets you look out into Hong Kong and the street below and people going about their right. lives and the and the urban landscape. You can see it. Like I it's don't, like right there. <laughs> yeah, like for people who are listening to this, if you go to Danai's uh Instagram, you can see photos out of the window and it's 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 it is the perfect symbol for what you're going through where you were separated through this one window from Hong Kong and you can see it all but you just can't leave your room that's like quarantine yeah. in, in a nutshell isn't it it feels very much like I'm in a fishbowl kind of thing and <laughs> I'm just like pressed against the glass being like hello yeah. um yeah it's an amazing view honestly I'm above this like market street if I I can open the windows I mean that is the saving grace of all this was that I could open the windows and I could kind of get fresh air and stuff um because I know that there are people in other hotels that can't do that um but I was above a market street I could like look down and see people like doing their shopping or people preparing their shops or you know the tram that goes right through the market or like there's so much life out there that I can see from my window. Like even the buildings opposite me, the flat roofs um, are used to, for as outdoor kitchens a lot of the time, or just for people to do their laundry, hang up their laundry on and stuff. So there's like so many things going on that I can see from my window. So in terms of just people watching, it's really, really interesting, but it also just feels like if you're in a hotel room, obviously you don't get the the smell so much. You don't get the feel of it and stuff. So it felt, it feels weird. It feels like I'm still in this weird bubble and I can like see, but not experience. Um, and it's, yeah, very weird. Sometimes it helps me to actually stare out the window. Sometimes it honestly just helps me to kind of ignore that it's there and pretend that I'm just in my, you know, room at home as normal. Um, (laughs) just cause it is, it's just, yeah, dependent on my mood. Um, it's a very weird experience. (laughs) It's just such a weird social experience. You know? It's not something mm. it, I mean, it's not something that 
historically we've we've ever had to go through i don't like it's this is quarantine is it's new territory it's social isolation mm. it's it's yeah, I'm a bit it's nervous. A <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go to quarantine. I'm not I mean, hopefully for you, it won't be 21 days by the time you <laughs> come. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, I, it's hard because I mean, there's no sort of rule book for it. I feel like people react differently. Um, I feel like people um, cope differently. So I had a lot of people telling me like, oh, throw yourself into work. Like there was one woman from my work now, she said she went through it uh, the whole 21 days and she would just throw herself into work. And then uh, the, the weekends would, would, you know, be awful for her. And for me so far, I've, uh, because work has been such a struggle, it's actually been easier for me when I'm not working. Cause I can just kind of pretend that I am in my room at home and just do things that I would normally do. Like watch Netflix or um, read a book or just chat to people and stuff. So for me, the non-working hours have been almost easier. Um, the working hours have been harder because I'm just constantly reminded of how I can't do certain things, how I've not actually met these people face to face, that sort of thing. So, yeah, um, you know, some people, I, one of my friends, for example, this might be a good anecdote for you. <laughs> one of my friends, um, who's more of a friend of a friend, he is going through quarantine in Hong Kong at the moment as well, um, in a different hotel and his room, is a lot worse than mine in the sense that it's like half the size all he gets are like two beds and a tv on the wall and he can't open his windows so he's kind of really fishballed in and um he also faces the sun um so it gets really really hot in his room so he like tends to close the curtains to you know not overheat in his room because he can't open the windows but that obviously closes off his only uh his only you know link to the outside world yeah literally um so he bought himself like a vr machine to kind of try and escape reality (laughs) which then broke um so he was really stuck and he like ultimately fixed it but like he was telling me this experience and I was like this sounds awful but at the same time he was saying oh the VR machine really helped him and for me I was like I don't know if it would help me because I've never been into the habit of like playing games or like using VR and stuff but it was interesting to just see how he was coping and what things he was doing differently to me um I think it's really um up to the individual person to kind of make their kind of quarantine home <laughs> right it's a bit depressing so you wouldn't you wouldn't think there are any universal tips for coping that you can give like or mm. you really do think it's completely personalized experience oh no i definitely think there are like things that are helpful for everyone so you're obviously maintaining contact with people um you know making sure that you skype people or facetime whatever people regularly so you have contact with the outside world um making sure that you have activities stored up for you know if you're bored or something um I think everyone needs you know Netflix saved up or a book to read or um a hobby that they can do during quarantine you know even if it's like knitting or something like it's helpful to have something that you enjoy doing that's um that you can kind of pass time with obviously I would say like prepare that in advance yeah um there are a whole bunch of books that I like brought over from the UK um and I was packing them in my suitcase and I was like is this a really stupid idea because like it's they're so heavy and it's a lot of luggage space that I could dedicate to other things but I was like no like I'm gonna need something and they have genuinely been like one of the things that made it more homey in here and made it feel like my space a lot more so I would say try and find what um, 
items you identify with what makes your kind of space at home feel like home even if it's just like photos or if it's like uh yeah books for me or or whatever it is like try and bring some of that with you um and then yeah just set it up and there are people who say that they unpacked like all of their stuff when they got to their quarantine hotel room to kind of move in and I was looking at all my like luggage and I was like there's no I'm gonna do that but like yeah there's definitely things that you can generally advise people to do but oh and exercise exercise definitely is something that everyone should be doing because you do become stagnant but in terms of like the the details you know if you like yoga you can do yoga but if you like walking then you can just pace your room that sort of thing like tailor it to yourself as best you can but there are uh you know overarching rules that kind of that I can advise on but yeah inevitably like people are going to react differently to different situations as well so um it's hard to kind of it's hard I can I can tell people what I found helpful but I don't know if that would be what would be helpful for everybody if that makes sense yeah what what have you been doing just dropping down getting some push-ups in (laughs) what what sort of have you done I mean I'm not a big gym person so but what I did like exercises with my mom (laughs) oh yeah so um just like doing it with someone I found really nice and um better than just kind of doing it on my own and it took away from the fact that I was doing it because I couldn't go outside it made me feel a bit more like I was doing it with someone and it was like a fun social thing rather than being like I've not walked more than like 10 paces in a week so yeah um yeah that helped me but then I know people who like love yoga and do yoga on their own um you know in in any case so they they do that um there are people who exercise on their own like do push-ups or whatever it is on their own and would be fine doing that in the quarantine hotel room but I don't do that so for me to start doing that would I think make me feel more like I was doing it because I was in quarantine and draw attention to the fact that I was in quarantine so doing it doing like exercises um like stretching yoga style pilates things with my mum that's something that I did before quarantine anyway so that was easier for me to do if that makes sense yeah (laughs) well it's it's interesting because I mean we're we're thinking of making this a three-part series where this is this is the sort of transitioning and this is all about the moving to Hong Kong but it's amazing how in this day and age so much of that is going through quarantine not just the prep and then move and then what it's like sort of in the first couple of days it's like you've got the whole quarantine which is another chapter of that entire process it's just yeah totally new it is such a I mean I don't think I've ever felt the effects of COVID as strongly as I have now because also compared to the UK where things are basically I mean things are getting worse now but (laughs) for most of the last year things are basically back to normal you know you could just kind of go about your daily life as normal besides the fact that you would have to wear masks occasionally but like coming to Hong Kong where the attitude is like night and day like it is it's the polar opposite they take it so seriously here they're trying to maintain zero COVID and like the restrictions and the COVID considerations are just so much bigger and in your face so I've yeah really never felt it as strongly as I have right now and it's just an element that I would never have normally considered and didn't even consider um when I first started applying for jobs in Hong Kong and you know Asia and stuff so it's 
whole other ball game. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, but it does help knowing that I'm not the only person doing it. So actually, one thing that I found was comforting to me, which is going to sound really weird, <laughs> was that like I could hear my neighbors like in the two rooms next to me what they were doing sometimes. So like my neighbor when he listens when he watches TV and stuff, I can hear it slightly through the wall, or the people next door to me in the other room had like a baby that was crying the first day and, and I can sometimes hear them like looking after it and stuff. And it's weird things like that. Just like they don't disrupt me too much because it's not too loud, but like it's knowing that there are other people on either side of me that I find quite comforting. So <laughs> wow. it's really sad, but it's like the closest thing to like, because otherwise I would feel like I was really just like on my own in this. It, I could I could be on my own in the entire building and I wouldn't know. So like having those two like, you know, sounds coming through the walls is just quite comforting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'd be better to finish on a bit more of a positive note. Like what yeah. what are you what are you ex- cuz you're mo- you're moving to Hong Kong. <laughs> what what are you excited about? Have you be beyond work, what are you excited to explore in the city? What have you looked into that sort of thing? Oh, Hong Kong is so exciting. <laughs> it is Everyone I told that I'm moving to Hong Kong has like raved about it. If they've been there as a, on holiday or, you know, lived here before, everyone has been like, it's the best city. Because I think from what I've gathered, it is like a really good mix of everything. You know, it's a massive city with a lot going on. But at the same time, it is, there's a lot of, you know, outdoorsiness to it. You can go, you can get out of the city really easily. You can go hiking or climbing or swimming or there's beaches, there's islands, there's, um, you know, amazing food. Everyone's like, Hong Kong is the best of uh, Chinese food, um, things like that. Um, everybody has been so, so friendly and welcoming and like, you know, checking in on me and going out their way to like, you know, say like, oh, we can go out for drinks at this time or uh, when you get out or, or, you know, you should go and check out this area, that sort of thing. So I'm excited to go out and explore Hong Kong. I've never obviously being here so I'm excited to like see what all the fuss is about um I'm excited to meet people because I'm super extroverted which is partly why this has been so difficult but I'm excited to like start you know forming connections I was honestly as scary as it is being in Hong Kong on my own with like no support network I was also really excited to kind of have a clean slate and see how I could build my friendship groups and stuff from scratch because I've never done that Hmm. before so I was excited about that challenge. Um, I, yeah, excited about the food, but honestly, at this point, the food is not like my main focus. It's just seeing Hong Kong and, and I really want to go to, uh, various districts that I've heard a lot about. So there's this like estate area called Chung Hui mansions, I think, where they're like, um, all the, it's basically like a housing estate, but they're all painted different rainbow colors um and it's a very (laughs) it's a very basic thing to do apparently in in hong kong but i really want to see it because i've seen photos of it there's i really want to go to the islands i really want to go swimming i want to go on the um the skips like the boats along the bay i want to see the like the hong kong skyline with the lights and stuff um i think i get out on the 31st on new year's eve so i think at that point i'm gonna just like take a hike or go and see the, go to the harbor, see that sort go of party. thing. <laughs> go party. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Stroke of midnight. I'm out of here. Um, there is a lot that I'm excited about. Um, so, you know, quarantine is a slog, but I'm not suffering, honestly. Now, after that, like one day, which was a blip, 
I'm not bored or like sad or anything. I'm just kind of impatient. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, very very excited about being in Hong Kong. I just want to go as well to the market and like see the food that yeah. I've been like staring at from above the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So It'll, there's a lot. It'd be so gratifying once you do that because like, I've been waiting for this moment for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll be like, I know you open at 8 a.m. So yeah, you're there <laughs> <Yeah>. at 7:59. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I've been watching so. you for for a month. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really excited. There's a lot of good stuff that I've heard about Hong Kong. There's things like the Buddha statue that I want to go and see. There's things that I've you know photos I've saved off Instagram that I want to go to. There's um oh there's a girl who reached out to me who. Yeah, I think I got in touch with her anyway, somehow through Instagram, who lives in Hong Kong, but she's moving to the UK. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to like meet up here because we're just crossing over basically. So she's in Hong Kong until sort of halfway through my quarantine before she moves. But she's been doing a really cool thing where she's sending me photos of her in different parts of Hong Kong. And she's like, you have to go and recreate the photos that I send you. So once I get out, I'm just going to go to those same locations and do like recreate her photo, but it'll be a good way of like exploring the area as well. So yeah. There's a lot that that I'm waiting for. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to catch up again once you're out of quarantine and hopefully you'll have a few stories to share and it'll, it'll won't be, Oh, how have you been coping with quarantine? It'll be more like, what have you done? What have you seen? What's it been like transitioning? I'm looking right. forward to having that conversation with you as well. It's a, to- <laughs> it's a totally, it's, it's the side of travel and moving that you, you hope for. So. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the, the whole reason I kind of came as well. So yeah, very excited to, to have like stories to tell you and stuff rather than just kind of like, yeah, I've been sitting at my, my desk for the past seven days, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you for your you. time. Like I know you're stuck in a in a box, but as, <laughs> I still appreciate it, and I'm sure everyone who who's been listening has appreciated it as well. So thank you, Danai. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> All right, bye bye, everyone. Bye. Alrighty, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, stay tuned because we're going to be doing a couple more and hearing about how Danai goes when she's actually settled into Hong Kong and had a bit of experience actually living in the city and not just looking out at the city from her from her hotel room um you can go have a look at the show notes to find uh things that we mentioned in the episode and uh find links to danai's instagram youtube channel and my instagram and youtube channel but um probably the best thing if you want to go check out danai which i would highly recommend is to follow her her instagram account which is study underscore with underscore danai all right See you in the next one, guys.